This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Nationwide and their farm certified agents. Where might your farm and home not be protected? Go to nationwide.com slash Andrew for answers to help protect your next. And by Pivot Bioproven 40 OS, the nitrogen you need now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Try that in a small town. That phrase and the lyrics to a song have caused quite a buzz in small towns and big cities alike. Is it much ado about nothing, or is it a larger conversation about what's right and wrong in the country? Corey Flournoy is my guest, and he discusses this and much more, including the times he's felt welcome and not so welcome in small towns and agriculture, and what we can learn from those situations. Is your topic for this week's Farm in the Countryside, brought to you by my friends at Nationwide. Farming and land ownership comes with its share of liabilities, and you need an insurance company to help protect you. But when it comes down to it, what you really need is an individual who truly understands what you deal with each day and knows how to help you see what you may have overlooked. That's why I've partnered with Nationwide, the number one farm and ranch insurer in the nation. They have farm certified agents. That's right, agents that are specifically trained to handle the needs of farmers. I know there was a lot I'd overlooked, and that's why we've created short videos to help address some of those key concerns. Go to nationwide.com slash Andrew. That's nationwide.com and just my name, Andrew, where I host quick shows on important topics to help you protect your next. This week's show also brought to you by Pivot Bio. We as farmers have faced many challenges regarding our nitrogen needs for corn crops in recent years. Past few seasons, though, I've been using Pivot Bioproven 40 to provide my corn with nitrogen when it needs it, no matter the weather. Now that predictability is available right on the corn seed. Pivot Bioproven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plant. It's the first on seed nitrogen, and all U.S. corn growers have access to the technology. Pivot Bio products contain naturally occurring microbes that fix nitrogen from the air and provide it directly to corn plants all season long. I hope you'll learn more. Just contact your local sales rep or go to pivotbio.com. If you've listened to this program for very long, you've heard Corey Flournoy. I usually have him on as a guest once or twice each year, mostly to discuss issues that involve the interaction of farms and small towns with those in the big city. Corey grew up and lives in the city of Chicago, is a past national FFA president, and today continues to work with and speak to many businesses in agriculture and beyond. And he just began a part-time role with the National FFA organization to boot. Before we begin, I need to set this interview up. Many of you have heard or seen in your social media feeds much about the lyrics to a song, Try That in a Small Town. Our goal here is not to relive the media coverage from past weeks. In fact, you'll hear Corey say he hates me for having him on to discuss this. I hope that's a bit of hyperbole, but we know each other well, and it's probably all in good fun. My goal is not to promote one side or the other. I'm just the interviewer who always enjoys learning along with you. And my goal is not to promote or denigrate a song. In fact, you won't hear us even mention the artist. As you'll hear, though, our conversation launched into a far bigger subject, including a new role Corey has just begun that impacts many people of all ages in agriculture. Corey Flournoy is back, and Corey Flournoy may be upset with me. <laughs> we will see in a moment. We are going to talk about trying that in a small town, which has gotten plenty of discussion 
recently. And perhaps, Corey, that's where I should begin. Is there really even a reason for us to discuss this? Because some people say, well, because you're discussing it, if some people don't like it, now you're just making this more popular and it's adding to uh, all of this that's going on in the media. So let's start there. Well, I would start by saying, no, I would not discuss this song normally. Um, but I respect you. I like you as a person. We have done many of these conversations. This is the only reason I'm having this conversation. Otherwise, I pretty much hate you for asking me to have this conversation. Uh, and, and, and it's because, you know, I, I believe that the song, the video, all of this is more about getting media hype for something that kind of exists in the current climate of the country. And in some ways, it's capitalizing on some of the sentiments that we are seeing in different parts. And so I think in the end, this person may have wanted a number one song in media attention. They got it. Um, now we can move on. Yeah, I, that's that's why I think it is because, you know, look, the reason I say I, I hate you also is because, you know, I don't listen to rap, a lot of rap artists and other other artists who who say things in their music that I disagree with, right? And so there are very controversial things. I won't mention artist names that conflicts my value system. And so I don't listen to them. I don't support them. So that's why I am. And that's similar to this. I think it's kind of a weird conversation because if you disagree or don't think this matches how you see the world, then you don't have to listen to this person. You don't have to comment. You more in life. And I think that's kind of where my head is. Right. Well, you make a good point because there are certainly plenty of songs and artists out there that have controversial lyrics, some that go way beyond the line. So we're talking about uh, something that, and an artist that you say, and perhaps rightly so, is not uh, something new for artists to come up with lyrics that provoke conversation uh, to help hype a song. And correct me if I'm wrong, you work with some, you work with Sony. Is that correct still? Yeah. I, I you know, and it's funny, I, I, I now that I'm an independent individual who does consulting for a variety of, of companies in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. I work on one extreme. So I work with Sony Music Entertainment, who they distribute a lot of music for different artists, right? Um, Bad Bunny and others. And so we have that one extreme. Then I, I also, my largest client, I want to use most of my time, is the National FFA Organization, which is traditionally more rural, I would say potentially conservative, smaller towns and those kind of things. So I, I am working with a variety of different clients who probably both sides of these kind of conversations. Well, you know, I'm interested in those conversations that you have as you think about Sony and FFA, which seem to perhaps be worlds apart in types of companies that may be, um, what do you talk about at Sony as far as diversity, inclusion, these types of topics? Does that ever cross paths with the lyrics and so forth that we promote in music? Yeah. So, I mean, Sony's a good example because they have a music, they have a country music division in Nashville. So it is part of the world. You know, bottom line is what I work with Sony is, and that's, and that's also where I come in too, is like at the end of the day, this doesn't cause me to lose sleep. At the end of the day, this kind of this is this is something to me to talk about. What I work in is helping create opportunities for underrepresented people and companies. My job, what I do particularly with Sony Music, uh, I work with their, a division of them called the Orchard, which is then again part of the music distribution distribution center. Is I'm helping people of color who have worked in the industry for a long period of time to get the resources and support to help build their careers so they can move into higher positions of leadership, because that's where difference happens this is when you have a diversity of people who get to be in higher level positions and companies who get to make different decisions that are made from senior management teams that are pretty homogeneous. So that's my work with them. This is typically not what I talk about, which again, 
I will get you for later. Uh, so. <laughs> well, hey, you know, since we're on this topic, though, sure. and, and we're going to not just focus on one song, and we haven't even mentioned the artist's name, which we may not, because I think it's really bigger than an artist in talking about yeah. th- these types of conversations, which I think is good. And many people know when you're on this show, we have you on here because you provide a valuable viewpoint, uh, not only because of where you live and, you know, where you come from in Chicago and so forth, based compared to many of our listeners who are probably more in rural and farming America and so forth. Let's go with this, though. This song on my Facebook feed, I mean, it just exploded with people and opinions and so forth. And I think when I asked you about it, you said, I have not even seen anything about that. Is that correct? Well, I knew about it. I mean, so I watch uh, some daily news talk shows. And so I knew about it and heard about the controversy and even heard about different opinions about it. Um, and so I guess, let me, let's, okay, let's talk about the song for a second, right? So I think it's really interesting about the song is, it's a lot going on in the song and the video. But if, if you were to take it line by line, it's, um, again, I think it was created to create conversation. Because um, some, some things said in the song could apply to anyone like, um, sucker punch somebody in a sidewalk. Is that something that happens in a city or only happens in a city? I I would tell you from my experience of traveling to small communities that I have heard about people getting drunk at a small town bar and getting outside and fighting. So is that exclusive to cities? Probably not. Um, here's, here's my problem. Here's my challenge with the song is if I had to summarize it, it is a lot of generalizations that for someone who may have limited experience, in a major city or diverse populations, it feeds into whatever stereotypes they may have. That's my issue with the song. Um, we've talked about the Black Lives Matter movement before on your radio show. You know, the movement itself is about talking about the injustice of black people who look like me, who have lost their lives and have been beaten up by cops undeserved. And Black Lives Matter is bringing attention to why is this not a greater conversation? Because those things do happen. In the video, they talk about they show protests and vandalism and violence, and the vast majority of protests don't end that way. Period. They don't, right? That is not the common thing. So that was my issue with my challenge with all of it was a lot of the statements and things that they talked about that he, that he talked about. They're not absolutes, and they're overly generalizations. And if people are not careful, you you feed into the belief that that's what it means not to be to live in an urban city and that's just not true i am interested as someone who lives in grew up in a large city chicago but works with lots of people who are in small towns and this song in a sense is talking about small town life does it fit what you know of small towns uh, you are in small towns a lot and uh Hey, you stand out in a small town (laughs) and and you and I know each other well enough that that we can have that conversation. Uh, Does it fit what you know of small towns? That's a fantastic um, kind of segue into a larger conversation. And that is, yeah, I have been to many a small town across this country, including Carpenter, Wyoming, or 54 people, right? Like I have been to small towns. And so it's, you know, I haven't felt like anytime I walk into a small town, my life's in danger, right? It, are there areas of the country where particularly depending on what region you're in that I believe things could happen or more cautious? Yeah. So that was also, I found interesting about the song is, you know, you know, like the whole try that in my small town, 
Yeah, if you're a person of color, there's a lot of things you're not trying in a small town, right? Because out of fear of what can happen to you. It's just, it's me driving through a small town is making sure I'm in the speed limit and I am being very cautious about where I stop in that small town, particularly if there's a certain flag that's hanging. I mean, like, that's, that's, that's real, right? And so, um, <laughs> again, the, the song itself um, was interesting because that is not my experience. Also, here's the other point, too. There's a lot of black people and people of color who live in small towns. And I said that as a fact because if you watch the video, you wouldn't know that. So when you talk about, is the song intended to be racist and stuff? It's not explicitly racist, but I would allow, submit for your consideration some of the imagery that you see. And how, again, overgeneralizations or the absence of certain things builds a narrative even if it's not spoken. That's problematic. Um, even the, the line of, you know, about spitting in a cop's face. Yeah. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that that's not something that a black person would think to do to spit it in the face of a cop because it traditionally does not play out. I mean, like, it's just I mean, all these things <laughs> may not go may not go down very differently than if you are a female of the majority race. Right. And so anyway, all those things. And it was just the song from beginning to end. Which caught me as problematic because not because I thought it was overly racist, not because it, I just thought it was a lot of overgeneralizations that or overstatements that some of the cases not even true. The last one I'll talk about is the rounding up the gun my grandfather gave me. Well, you know, we it's part of our constitution. You know, it's part, you know, it's part of our part of our legal system that people have guns. And the states that have restricted are, are I mean, unless that gun is a high power capacity AR-15 style gun that your grandfather has left you, no one's really trying to take away your gun. Like we, there's never been a a dis discussion to ban all guns in the United States, right? So again, I just think that the song creates dialogue. As we think about that dialogue, I have seen many from small towns post, well, this is us coming together. This is small town pride. I take pride and we help one another. Is this a situation where depending on where we live and how we grow up, we see what we want to in this song and the lyrics? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I belong to a church here in Chicago where we're building a multi-million dollar complex that is totally geared towards getting young, in most cases, young black men off the streets into career sponsored programs to help them, you know, take care of families and be self-supporting individuals, right? And what, what I think is unique about, you know, helping people, we're talking about a center that is being created um, on the south side of Chicago, one of the most in the highest crime area of Chicago, right? I mean, period. That as my pastor has came up with this vision and wanted to change the community, what's been really interesting is the, the supporters have come to, to make it, um, which is a great number of Republicans <laughs> have come to help support this, uh, have given money personally, as well as others. Like, And so I don't think um, small communities have a, a lockdown on helping one another. I think a lot of communities help each other. Um, again, over overgeneralizations, right? Um, so, does it happen in small communities? Yes, like, yes, it does. Does it happen more than urban communities? Possibly. Um, and there's some small communities where people don't talk to each other, know each other still. Like it's just the generalizations that sometimes can be unfair. You have a new role with the FFA, and I'd like you to describe what that is and what your job is, and perhaps some of the challenges and, and solutions that you work on in that role. Sure. One of my clients is the National FFA organization. So I said this, yeah, I'm not full time with them. Um, but the position is called Executive in Residence for Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. 
long title. Um, but I was brought in for a number of reasons. One of them is Scott Stump is the CEO, um, great person who both you and I have known for years, um, really intelligent, smart, kind-hearted, empathetic man. Um, and so I am doing this job mainly because I get to work with him. Um, and I said it because I believe that he wants to see progress made in the national FFA organization, sincerely. And so my role is several. One is to help evolve the strategy of what we're trying to accomplish so that Another way of putting it, I, you and I joined in, in the late 80s. I don't know that we've made much progress in equity, diversity, and inclusion in the last 30 years. When you look at the organization. Um, how do I, why do I say that? Um, there were still more, more Black people in the New Farmers of America, which was a separate organization for Blacks, than they are now. <laughs> and the organization is almost a million students strong. Um, and so there's a lot of work to be done. And so part of it is I am working to help um, to, to evolve the strategy, to help them to think differently about how do you talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And actually to make it less focused on, I'm not avoiding conversations. I know we get just conversations about sexual orientation and religion and various different things. At the end of the day, my job, if I had to summarize it, is it is my belief that agriculture education, it should be for all students. And I have yet to meet a person who disagree with that statement. And so my work daily is then, how do we make this an organization that is welcoming, supportive, and growth focused? That no matter who you are, I don't care who you are, where you're from, how you identify yourself, when you become part of ag education and FFA, you should feel like you are wanted, supported, and valued. And so that however long you're in the organization in ag education, you can become the best person you can be. And that you don't go to events where People throw things at you, say derogatory things, and you walk in feeling like you're, you're not wanted there. In my experience in FFA, did I ever have that? Yeah, that was not the majority of my times, but there were definitely occasions where it was evident that as a being a, a black guy from the south side of Chicago, people didn't prefer me being in the room, being a, a part of an event. Um, and my job was to figure out how do we help stop that. So how do you do that? That's a pretty big job. Tell me about it. You know, I tried to do world peace first and that didn't work. So I decided, let's do this because uh, why not? Uh, I mean, part of it is you have to set the standard. I mean, that's, and that's part of what I'm helping the organization to do is you have to take a stance on what do you as an organization believe and what do you accept and not accept, right? And so if we believe these things I just said to be true, how do you set standards first at the national level that this is what we are going to be as an organization? And truly when you become part of the FFA and ag education, you either opt in or opt out, knowing that this is an organization that it tends to be for all students. So um, there are policies that have to be written. There are, um, I think, standards that have to happen at conventions and the state levels. But that's what this is about, is how do you create this way of rethinking about how we want to support students in their growth and development, and then work down to the ag teachers? Because the ag teachers need to set that same standard. And when you walk in this classroom, they can't guarantee what's going to happen to you when you leave the classroom or go back home. But for the 45 minutes that you're in this class or whatever part thing you participate, we are going to have a culture where we treat each other with respect. We may have differences because ultimately this goes beyond the FFA. Because this is a leadership organization that's developing young people for the future, if, unless you plan to live in your parents' basement for the rest of your life, and if you plan to actually work in the career world, you're going to have to interact with people who have different belief systems than you, who have, who identify differently. And at the end of the day, you don't have to love them. You don't have to like them, but you need to respect them and treat them with decency. And that's what we, we need to teach that to young people in high schools.
I'm going to ask you what would seem like a naive question, but I'm asking this because it allows you to to open up and share, which is never a problem for you, but that's that's fine. Uh, you mentioned that if you ask anybody involved in agriculture or education, uh, would you like to have this program opened up for anybody? You're inviting to anyone. You've never found anyone who says, no, that's not the case. Everybody says, yes, uh, this is a program that is welcoming and so forth. So if that is truly the case, why is membership, as you mentioned, uh, for black students in agriculture or diversity in agriculture. Why does it seem like we have not made progress sometimes? Well, actually, I, I think that's a very great question. And I think that's a couple, that's the question the organization has struggled with for years. Um, I think similar to my other clients, people don't know what to do. Like, in theory, we want to be a, a more diverse organization. We want students to feel welcome. But people will get stuck not knowing what to do or say to make that happen. And so, and I tell people you overcomplicate, you overcomplicate it. Um, you treat people the same way uh, you would treat someone who's of your own community, who's of your like. You take an interest in that person. You, um, you you speak with a level of concern to listen to a person's experience and show up for them. Um, the same thing you would do when you walk in a room and you sit next to someone that you know. Take those that same skill set and, and use it for somebody you don't know. You know, we've all done it. If, Meeting a stranger, meeting someone who comes from a different place who doesn't like you, but you treat them with respect, you take an interest in them, you encourage them to get involved, that makes all the difference. And people stay in their own silos. It is um, interesting how our own internal biases keeps us from leaving our comfort zone to show up for somebody else who probably needs it, who's, who appears to be different. As we wind up, let me throw at you a question that may seem a bit... Uh out of the ordinary, but it is a topic that was brought up uh, just two or three shows ago on this very program. I was visiting with Ray Starling, who gave me his opinion on recent Supreme Court rulings that would impact agriculture. And so we talked about waters of the U.S. We talked about hog crates in California. But then he brought up that he thought one major ruling this session that will impact agriculture was the rolling back, if you will, of affirmative action. And I'm interested in your opinion does that, how does that impact agriculture? Because many, when heard that opinion, would have never thought, oh, what's that have to do with agriculture? But yet he listed that as a major ruling impacting agriculture. Okay. Well, I'm going to first say, I don't know exactly what he meant by how it impacts agriculture, because it really was meant mainly in the context of education, right, at this point. And I'm sure others will adapt. Uh, here's the deal, right? Um, inherently, we, if we're honest, yeah. It has not been an even playing field for people in our country, depending on who you are, where you're from, certain resources and support you've had. Um, so the affirmative action uh, ruling, it, does, it can have an impact. It, it could actually lessen the opportunity to have diversity in various different forms, particularly in education. And I, as I tell people, equity does not mean you lower the requirements and lower um, standards to get diversity. It means that you put special systems in place to ensure that you do get it. And in some cases, that you put certain systems in place so that you give people the support so they can get there. Um, no different than the agriculture world where there, there are farmers in certain areas who get subsidies and support because for whatever reason, they're not producing and performing, they don't have the resources as others. And so we give support because that's equity. We could say that every farmer survives on their own. And if you do it, you do it. Like, no, we don't believe in that, right? We we, we would have the country would flip out tomorrow if we decided that, no, <laughs> we provide the same level of support for everybody, regardless of what kind of 
um, obstacles and challenges that you, you get. And so it is interesting that people can see that being fair in some cases and unfair in others. Well, Corey, it is always good to uh, visit with you. And for those that want to interact, you are always kind to say, how can they interact with you? Because you are a person that deals in these issues and deals with them in agriculture. So if somebody's listening and says, you know, I just want to help my organization, help myself, help me be aware of different issues and how I can try to always be open and welcoming at all. How would you tell them to connect with you? Uh, so I am on social media. I'm on Twitter. I'm on those different things. So if you have a Twitter account, it is at Corey Dwayne F74, C-O-R-E-Y Dwayne D-W-A-Y-N-E F74. People can always contact you too. I mean, so if you know how to contact Andrew McCurry, you can contact me. Um, but I'm always open to do conversations, keynotes, workshops. I, I help a lot of comp a lot of companies, a lot in the ag field in this space right now. Corey, always good to talk to you. Same here, Andrew. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Remember, you can follow Farm in the Countryside and our daily show, American Countryside, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Just type in Farm in the Countryside or American Countryside. I appreciate you joining me. I'm Andrew McCray. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Nationwide and their farm certified agents. Where might your farm and home not be protected? Go to nationwide.com slash Andrew for answers to help protect your next. And by Pivot Bioproven 40 OS, the nitrogen you need now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com.